Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 57. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Pani Anul. I'm also a professor of mechanical engineering. College selection can be an exciting but challenging process for students. There are many factors that a student can consider during this selection process. One of these factors is acceptance rate, known as the ratio of the total number of applicants to accepted students. Let me give an example. For instance, if 100 people apply to a college and 10 are accepted, the college has a 10% acceptance rate. Today's episode is related to this very topic. So let me start by asking, why should we consider the acceptance rate for colleges? I think from a student point of view, you want to know what are the chances that you can get in to a particular place. Yeah, I agree. And also thinking about those students who can't afford the application fee, they need to figure out what the chances are of me getting in. So they need to strategize and come up with a plan because not everybody can afford to apply to as many schools as they wish. Also, I think that maybe it can serve as a motivation for the students if they are preparing sooner so they know that maybe how much energy and effort they need to put into the whole process if the acceptance rate of a specific college is lower or higher. Now, my question is, are the acceptance rate related to the ranking? If they are, that makes sense, right? Because if it's higher ranked, more people would apply, and then the acceptance rate would be low. Good question. Actually, if you look at the lowest acceptance rate universities, it seems there are some kind of correlations, but I guess I'll let you guys judge. For instance, the lowest acceptance rate is from Curtis Institute of Music, which is 2%. So you need to be a superstar, I guess, to get there. Caltech has a 4% acceptance rate. Harvard, 4%, MIT, 4%, Princeton, Stanford, and Yale also are at 4%, and it goes slightly above for other Ivy League institutes. So maybe there are some correlation, maybe not. Well, I'm looking at the top 15, at least. They cover all the Ivy Leagues. (laughs) I think that maybe also the size of the school matters. So they are smaller. So they are not like public schools. Like most of uh, these Ivy League, they are much, much smaller than state schools. So maybe that's one of the reasons that they need to be more selective because they cannot welcome 97% of the applicants. Do you think that the schools with a lower acceptance rates are better than the other schools? 
Well, it depends on what you mean by better. So like for some people, maybe if they are really social and they really want to interact with their instructor, maybe they, they are offering a smaller classes and maybe it's better for some people. They want to have this awesome social life and live in a big city and surrounded by diverse culture. It depends. I don't think that we can have one answer that a lower acceptance rate means that the schools are better. So actually, it's interesting that people still think about these acceptance rates. And the reason why I say that is because I talk to parents often, not as often as I did when I was at RPI because my role was different. But often, sometimes I talk to parents uh, that contact me and say, I'm comparing Howard to another school or RPI to this other school. And they never talk about the acceptance rate. Usually it's about the name, the branding of the school and about whether or not the program fits what their child is interested in. And for me, I forget about the branding, like the name recognition part. I talk more about the programming. Like if the programming is good for your child, especially if they have specific needs, they have specific interests. They may not know what their interests are because sometimes they come so focused, like I want to come to this school because they have a great aerospace engineering program. And then sometimes I often ask the parent and the child and the student, I should say, well, what happens if you don't like aerospace engineering? Does that school offer something else that you will be interested in? And then they're like, oh, so then that gives them another thought, like, you know, and maybe... If, if I'm if I'm 100% not sure about going here, maybe I should check another school that may have a good aerospace engineering program and maybe a, also a very good mechanical engineering program because that's kind of like a backup plan. So I find it surprising that we still have conversations around acceptance rates. I totally agree about fitting. All these ranking acceptance rates, for me, they're less meaningful than having a good fit for a particular student. Everybody's needs are different, right? And how they shape themselves and geographic, you know, identities and all that, that all play a role. So I don't think these acceptance rate actually come into play. I can't imagine they will come into play as a decision maker. Yeah, but they, I've seen several high schoolers that they did internship during summer in my lab. And all they were talking about is like, oh, Caltech is only they accept only 2%. But if I get in there, like it comes with the prestige, like you are part of that two selected percentage of all, I don't know how many thousand from all over the world they are applying. But I totally agree. Like you might get into Harvard with whatever their acceptance rate was three, four, and you find out that no, this is not the right place for you. So yeah, it should not it should not be the only factor, but unfortunately, it is part of some conversations among high schoolers that they are applying for college. But let me ask, what's the average college acceptance rate? Do you have any idea? Well, uh, based on the National Center for Education, the acceptance rate for university within United States 
in 2022 was 61%. So that's the average. So at least it makes us feel better. It's not all about that 4% or 2%. There are many, many other colleges that are have a higher acceptance rate. And these are, we should emphasize that these are for undergraduate. So I have a quick question, Panya. Did you do any research about acceptance rate for community colleges? So the reason why I asked, because when I was at RPI, they have a community college that's very close by. And some of my best undergrad students actually transferred from the community college. (laughs) So I was wondering when you think about community college, sometimes they're really good community college. I remember when I was at the University of Michigan and Michigan has very good community colleges. So I was just wondering about shifting the conversation, maybe in another episode about acceptance rate is like for community college, because that's also becoming an option for students who may not know exactly what they want to do. And they use that as a transition between community college and transitioning to a four-year college. Yeah, I didn't specifically look at those data, but I saw that they said that many community colleges, they have a high acceptance rate because they are trying to serve the community. And as long as your applications is complete, you, you get in. I'm a proponent of community college because that's where I went because we didn't have money. Uh, My parents couldn't afford both me and my sister to go to college, even at a state university, because we moved into the state when we started college and we were considered as out of the state residents and we just couldn't afford it. So I started at at a community college and it was the best thing. I learned the best courses. I ended up doing what I do because of some of the courses I've taken there. So yeah, we shouldn't take those lightly. So that's why all these things, Ivy Leagues and all these low acceptance rate, high rank and all this and that, it didn't play a single factor in my life. So I can't, of course, extrapolate my life with others. I'm just saying that it's uh, <laughs> it's very much meaningless to me. So with that, so do we even know whether making this investment to go to these very selective universities actually makes sense? Do you actually make more money later? Well, I look at actually some of the data and they showed that people that they graduated from these very low selective versus high selective one at the end of the day, if they learn their material, they can make the same kind of salary. Well, the, the amount of the money that you pay for your tuition and the cost of the college and the salary that you earn after, it's not like a huge difference. So that actually leads to another question. Do these highly selective universities charge less money? Are they even related? Or they're simply highly selective? Because I know in some countries, some very selective universities, they charge very little because that's the way they serve. And the reason they become competitive is because they charge less. Well, I don't know. I think in the United States, because as you mentioned, most of these selective universities, they are Ivy Leagues and they are in expensive area. So I don't know if the cost of living is really expensive and it makes those colleges more expensive or because those that they get accepted to those universities, usually they have fellowships and scholarships, right? 
perhaps. Yeah, I mean, if there's a high level of endowment, I'm guessing the students getting admitted will get a huge amount of uh, relief in the tuition. But I don't know. <laughs> we I don't have the stats for that. So another question is related to equity, diversity, and inclusion. How are these highly selective universities or low acceptance rate universities do their selections? Is there a particular percentage that they follow as the high acceptance rate universities, or they're just being selective among a particular group? I'm not sure how they are applying uh, the equity uh, principles. Maybe they do. I'm sure they do at some level. I just don't know whether it's proportional to some other schools. Yes, so I know that, especially lately, it was on the news. So many of these selective schools, they've been sued that people, they were saying by being very exclusive, they are breaking EDI related rules, but they looked at their admission and they realized, well, it's merit-based, it's very selective, but also there are many international students that are applying. So they have the component of diversity being actually, it doesn't necessarily mean having a low acceptance rate means that they are just recruiting specific group of candidates. So I'm sure that they are having additional tools to recruit more diverse people as part of their 2% that they are admitting. And also there are some schools that have a really high acceptance rate, but they are very much one group of people are representing them. So I don't think that having a high or low acceptance rate, it means that they are intentionally excluding people. How about the acceptance rate for graduate programs? Again, when I selected the University of Michigan, I was not thinking about acceptance rates. Again, I was thinking about the fit of the program and the the name recognition, not necessarily about whether or not I could get in. Do you have any statistics about the acceptance rates for graduate school? Yeah. So there is actually a number. Grad school typically have an acceptance rate of around 15%. So that's way lower than undergraduate. I'm guessing once you get to that level, people are more selective with what they want, you know, in terms of joining a research program and all that. So so I'm, I'm also guessing because there are a lot of international applicants, at least in the STEM that I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of, so that's probably why they're being so selective. I mean, the overall average. So there is a very high chance that a very impressive applicant can get rejected uh, by a particular school. And I would say, don't be surprised. I think as you go to grad school, your specific program are getting even more. You have to think about that word fitting again. It's even more so than undergrad. Uh, your choices are much narrowed uh, at that point so yeah very good point actually one of my good friends he's a physicist and he applied to those low acceptance rate schools <laughs> he got a offer from harvard from yale from princeton and the only school he didn't get admitted to was mit 
And well, he turned out okay. He has like 30 nature publication or something. But I think the, the name of the school, it doesn't matter. The program, it matters so much because after that, I talked to him and he said that the person he ended up working at Princeton was one of the best people that he could ever work with. But before he was just applying to these top schools, right? So I think it's very important that we are not just fooled by the prestige and we we do our homework and we pay attention to the advisor that we want to work with or to the department that we are going, the culture of the department, the history of the department, the courses they are offering, the quality of their classes, and also, you know, the culture and the city that uh, the university or the college is located. Kim, by the way, I think Michigan's graduate acceptance rate is really low. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> See, acceptance rates matter. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh my goodness. In terms of the grad programs, I can definitely understand why the acceptance rate is really low. So one of my titles is outside of being the associate dean of research, I'm also the associate dean for graduate programs. And when I think about where the funding comes from, that funding is pretty tight. And so you're, you're really being selective because the university is being selective about how much money they're giving to the graduate programs. And so you want to be selective about who you actually select to obtain that tuition remission or stipend from the university. And I know when I select graduate students, it's almost like a, a marriage because you want to make sure that they can keep up with you and the things that you need them to do and that they have a the similar energy because they're a representation of you, especially as being an administrator. Most of the time I can't be in the lab. So I need this person to be able to communicate to the undergrad students, communicate to the graduate students, to the other graduate students and not be in a silo and isolating and work independently. And it's really hard to find a graduate student that comes out of undergrad with all of those qualities. And that's why I complimented our previous guest who landed a really nice industry job offer because his soft skills was just excellent. And you could just see right away that he probably had everything on paper and you probably would have never known he had those excellent soft skills. So you really have to navigate through the applications and and pick someone with great black and white presence right on the cv and then interview them and see oh, okay this this person has the soft, the soft skills i need and faculty members are looking for people who could serve as teaching assistants which is a big component of selecting graduate students sometimes they need to you know have a teaching assignment and you want to make sure that they have the ability to communicate effectively, have the patience, and want to teach people. So it's a lot that also goes into the graduate programs that we, we should explore yes. more as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long-term commitment to them for the students as well as for the advisor and right. the departments. So it's a huge investment on, on both sides. So being selective is important <laughs> for both, for the students and the uh, advisor, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And remember, the acceptance rate should not be the sole determining factor in your college selection process. Other aspects such as academic programs, faculty, student life, financial aid, personal fit should also be taken into account. Ultimately, it's important to find a college or university that aligns with your aspiration, interests, and educational needs, regardless of its acceptance rate. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.